0: Oh, great job. You were so close. I know the party you voted for didn't win, but you got 48% of the vote.
1: Well, that gets me nothing. So shouldn't 48% of the vote get us 48% of the representation? Today, we're going to talk about a slightly different way to do things. It's called proportional representation.
0: I'm Dan Wavering with my co-host Cassie Henderson-Wynn, and this is Beyond Party Lines. So if you listen to our ranked choice voting episode, you know that we have a plurality voting system and basically it's winner take all. If you get more votes than the other person, then you win. It's just one person uh, per congressional district and whoever gets the most votes wins and we we move on. Um, benefits of that is, well, it's how we've always done it. It's simple. Uh, we're used to it. It makes lots of sense. I think... We've done it for almost 200 years now so people know the system they know the game and unfortunately that means they also know how to exploit the game um cassie what kind of problems do we have with this
1: well on the uh presidential level it, it's the winner takes all system just brings up all kinds of issues with the electoral college you know we're not getting accurate representation um if you're in a, a swing state you're the only one that's getting any kind of attention from a presidential campaign. If you're in a red or blue state, they're not even going to touch you. You might not ever get a visit. Uh, So there's just significant underrepresentation there. And on a congressional level, the percentages that representatives win by leave a lot of underrepresented voters.
0: Yep. And we talked about some of these stats in our ranked choice voting episode. Um, In Minnesota, for example, this past election cycle, they actually had two candidates that finished with under 50% of the vote. Uh, Jim Hayerdorn and Angie Craig both won with 48% roughly of the vote. One was a Republican and one was a, a Democrat. And so essentially the other half plus, the other 51% of voters aren't getting a say in those districts.
1: All right, so that's a perfect swing state example. And then on the other, like the flip side of the issue, you have these states that are really purely red or really purely blue. For example, in Maryland, seven out of eight congressional districts are blue. Okay, so what if you're a Republican and you live in Maryland? Or what if you're a libertarian and you live in Maryland? Your choices are basically, I'm never gonna have someone represent my views or I have to move to a different state where my vote makes a difference and it, it just it shouldn't be that way you should not have to move out of a state to get any kind of representation
0: yeah absolutely so seven out of eight are blue um, as of the 2020 election but i looked up the numbers for trump voters for that election and it was 35 percent of voters went republican and so obviously it's a it's a heavily blue state And so it was pretty clear that Biden should get those congressional votes. Uh, But there's a lot of support still. 35% is not like insignificant by any means. And so they're only getting one congressional seat. But really, statistically, they should have just about three, right?
1: Yeah. And this is just, it's leaving people completely underrepresented, whether you live in a swing state or you live in a red or blue state. It's just not, it's not really working for anybody.
0: So so when we talked about rank choice, we found out that um, essentially we're doing it in almost the worst way possible right now. Uh, but rank choice is just one of the ways that we can f- reform our election system. Um, and so we're talking about proportional representation today. Cassie, what is it?
1: In a nutshell, proportional representation is an electoral system where parties gain seats in proportion to the number of votes cast for them. So if party A gets 80% of the vote for a district, then they would get 80% of the seats. Now, obviously that wouldn't really work in single member districts. So in proportional representation, you're going to have more than one representative. So you actually have multi-member districts instead of single member. Um, there are a lot of good things about this. The biggest one is to me that it increases voter turnout really significantly. So in 1990, there was a study conducted of over 500 elections in 20 different countries. And um, the the voter turnout was, was really huge. So that's awesome. We talk all the time about how can we get more people to vote because we want more people represented. So anything that can kind of give the voters more power, give their votes more impact is a really good thing. But, of course, with any electoral system, there's going to be issues, too.
0: Okay, so there's different options within proportional representation. It's not really just one type. And so in order to get into some of the other benefits and drawbacks of each type, I think we have to kind of go one by one through these types of proportional representation. So the first one is party list, and it's the most common.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times when people talk about proportional representation, this is what they're talking about. It's pretty simple. Um, You have large multi-member districts, and you're electing your representatives based on proportion. So this can come in two different ways. Originally, these were closed elections, which basically meant that um, the voters were just voting for the party not candidates. So you go in and you vote Democrat or Republican, and whatever percentage, if 60% of people voted Democrat, then those seats were filled with Democratic candidates, 60% of them were. And if the other 40% were Republican, then the other 40% of seats are filled with Republican candidates. Um, Obviously, people didn't really love the idea that they're only casting a vote for a party and they don't even know who those <laughs> candidates are. So usually now they are open, which means that you do get to vote for candidates and then your party still fills those seats, but you're voting for the candidates. So if uh, if Democrats won two of the seats and, and Jones and Smith were the two candidates that got the most Democrat votes, then, then they're going to take those seats.
0: Yeah, and this system is... It sounds good because it's still relatively simple. I, I think when we're talking about voting systems, we're trying to always balance on the knife's edge of how good is the system and how practical is it for people to understand and um, execute when they actually go to the polls. So that, that's a big benefit of this. It's it's basically what we're doing now. It's just how we fill the seats that is different than current system right yeah
1: yeah essentially you still do have multi-member districts but it's not that big of a jump so instead of north texas being divided into x amount of districts and they each have their own representative then you kind of have a larger district where you might have four or five representatives that are kind of on a little team representing you essentially
0: So of those five representatives, then you might have, like in the U.S., you might have two Republicans, two Democrats, but then there's a chance that, you know, you only need roughly, well, not even 20 percent probably uh, of supporters of a third party and they would have somebody in there to represent their interests. Yeah, and I
1: think that's one of the biggest benefits to a system like this is that it does allow for a third party representation. But, um, of course, there are some issues with this, too. And I think if if people are listening to this right now, they might be thinking of the first problem, which is potentially uh, the coalition government. Say that you have this district and it's two Democrats, two Republicans, and one third party candidate. Uh, I don't know how much you're getting done. And I think that that's that's people's biggest concern. Um, But I do think that that same argument could apply to the system as it is now. And even though it is an issue, we find ways to work and function within the system, right?
0: I mean, that's basically no different than, like you said, what we have in the House of Representatives in the Senate. We're going to be 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats in the Senate and a very narrow edge to Democrats in the House of Representatives. So, I mean, it's essentially split pretty pretty significantly right now there's just i don't think there are any independent actually registered independent representatives right now or at least of a third party i think there's one independent
1: yeah so even though potentially there is an issue there i i still think that's a lot better to have this potential for third party and then also to be able to be represented no matter where you live But some people would counter that saying there might not be geographical representation because if my representative doesn't live near me, then does he have or she have the same concerns and the same issues that I have?
0: So there's a way to solve that, right? There's kind of a best of both worlds in this proportional representation um, system, and that's called mixed member proportional voting and this is actually in practice uh this is largely how germany does it and how new zealand does it there's a a few other countries out there that are um, electing their officials this way right
1: yeah and uh just just strap in for this one because it can get a little complicated and we're not gonna dive into all the nuances here um of course we would invite you to to go and read into this more because i think we could do an episode on each individual potential way that this could be done. But um, bear with me here because this is supposed to be the compromise and middle ground. But uh, it, it can be a little complicated if you can't wrap your mind around it. So when you are in a mixed member proportional voting, you actually have two votes. So if you go in and you're going to get one vote for the candidate of your choice, and you're going to get one vote for the party. Now, the single constituents, the candidate that you're voting for, those are elected really traditionally and those fill up some of the seats. Um, Let's say for argument's sake that that fills up half the seats, the other half of the seats are filled with your party choice. So if one party wins 25 seats according to the party vote, but they only won 10 seats on the actual constituent list, then they're gonna fill up the difference by getting 15 more seats from the party vote. And those are filled with candidates of the party's
0: choice we're going to post a YouTube video in the show notes that helps kind of visualize some of this because for some of these concepts, I think that's the easiest way. So I I recommend clicking on that. Um, But essentially think of it as, you know, let's say you have those um, 10 districts and candidate A wins by 1% in every district. So it's 51 to 49%. Then essentially they'll have all 10 seats, the other 49% of the whole country has no representation. Uh, Instead of doing that, we're saying, okay, yeah, they won those 10 seats, but then there is another 10 seats that now we're going to fill up, and this will help make it a lot more even. And most of those party seats, that second vote, are going to the party that only got 49%. So it'll be more representative of the actual percentages that people voted for.
1: Yes, definitely. And I do think people see this as kind of a middle ground because it has sort of both sides, which is nice. And it also kind of fixes that geographical representation issue that can come up with the party list voting. But uh, again, there are some drawbacks. I think one is that it's a little bit more complicated. Um, It's a little bit harder to wrap your mind around. But I think with ranked choice, it came up where... You know, you, there might be a learning curve, but overall, you're going to figure it out, right? You know, you're going to get some education. You're going to see the ballot for the first time, and then it's going to make sense. And pretty much, it's going to smooth out after that.
0: And the actual ballot part of this is pretty simple. Some of the more complicated logistics are actually just how the votes get allocated afterwards, more than more than anything. So for the end user, the voter, it's really you know not not too bad. That's
1: true. Um, but some of the drawbacks is that the party vote is actually more valuable in that case because it's kind of filling the difference. And I think that that's hard to wrap our minds around, especially because we don't have an existing system wherein we're just voting for a party. So I, for one, am not a big fan of giving just a party vote a big power push.
0: Well, and then what happens, and I'm skeptical of this too, is if the part the the votes that get allocated for the party, uh, those representatives are elected by the party themselves. So they're putting a list of like these are our, you know, suggested candidates, and then they choose an order off of that list. So there is some transparency, but it's still giving the party um, pretty direct control over who gets elected and taking a little bit of it away from the people. But I think if you're You know, if you understand how our system in the U.S. works, that's essentially, again, how we're already doing it. You know, we kind of have the disguise in our primaries that you get a choice. But these main parties are so influential and the money is so important in it that whoever they want to win is just about always going to win. With the, I would say, notable exception of 2016 Trump. That was not who the Republicans originally had in (laughs) mind. And uh, it, it did not go the RNC's way, uh, but typically that's that's how it's going to go anyways. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great point. So the, the mixed member proportional voting is probably slightly more fair and uh, slightly more close to what we have now than party list, but there's actually a third option, and that's called single transferable vote or choice voting. And if you listened to our ranked choice episode, then some of this is going to sound familiar. And if not, we definitely recommend going back and listening to it. It's our first episode. So in a single transferable vote, the ballot operates off of a ranked choice system. And and if you haven't listened to that episode, if you need a refresher, basically you're going to get a first choice, a second choice, third choice fourth choice. You're going to fill out your ballot saying, this is my first choice. This is my second choice. This is my third choice. But the difference, and when it comes to proportional representation, is say you only needed a 1,000 votes to win the seat, and you got 1,500 votes, then those extra 500 votes are actually going to be redistributed to the second choice. Now, I'm already thinking, uh, okay, well, how does that work? Which 500 ballots get redistributed to the second choice? That's not <laughs> fair. So what they actually do is um, all 1,500 would be distributed to the second choice, but that's going to come in at a smaller percentage. So instead of like a full vote, that's going to count as a third of a vote. So those those kind of get redistributed to the second choice. And then the extra seats that the other seats are filled that
0: way. So I like this because it's combining a system and ranked choice that, um, as we talked about, gives you, uh, gives a lot of power to independent voters, third party voters, um, with kind of some of the other benefits we've been discussing with proportional representation, um, in that you don't, you know, you're not wasting a vote. So if you if there's a landslide towards one candidate then those votes that were on that top end or you know part of that landslide are going to the second choice of those people and then the people that voted for a candidate that didn't get any support you know those votes are getting redistributed as well towards um, a viable candidate essentially yeah
1: definitely and i think that the whole idea of not wasting votes is something that can almost sound a little foreign to us, but it's really a huge step in making sure that we're all represented.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then this this system, um, the single transferable vote kind of builds on the previous one, the mixed member proportional voting in that you know you're voting for candidates, not parties. So I think one of my biggest objections of that last one was putting more power in the party's hands on who gets elected. Um, well, this kind of takes that back out and uh, gives you know better chances for those third-party votes to be successful and, and better chances that are a better say for people to vote directly for a candidate and not a party.
1: Absolutely, I agree. I, I don't want the parties to have any more power than they already have, and anything that can give people a chance to vote for who they actually believe in is a huge win for me.
0: The drawback with this is it's slightly difficult to explain. And so it's definitely a little bit difficult to understand. Uh, People have some confusion on what happens with those extra votes that are getting distributed. um, If somebody has the surplus votes. And so that leads to some confusion. And, you know, when there's confusion in a, a voting system, then people generally have a little bit less trust in how it, gets executed. So that's a potential drawback. Here. Absolutely.
1: And it, it's a significant step away from what we're used to, because we're talking essentially about completely changing the, the ballot to a ranked choice ballot. And then on top of that, changing the way that we're represented and the way that votes are distributed. So those are three big, big chunks in, in, of change um, that I think it can sound really intimidating and really hard to wrap our minds around. Uh, But these things, these systems, they exist in the world and they function really well. And I'm sure when they were switched over in those countries, there was a big learning curve, too. But right now, there is already an all time low trust in the election system as it is. And so it might be that this is a prime opportunity to make some shifts into something that lets us be better represented.
0: What does it look like? in the US? Is this something that we could potentially get implemented? And if we did get it implemented, what, what would it take? And then, you know, what does it look like in, in our current system? You know, what do those changes bear out to be?
1: Absolutely. We're talking about a couple of different things here because obviously on the presidential level, there's only one president. There's no proportional representation when there's just one winner. But... In the Electoral College, it's very shady in terms of the winner-takes-all issue, as we talked about earlier. So there is an idea called proportional allocation that's kind of the best of proportional representation, as it can exist within an Electoral College system to elect the president.
0: Yeah, and so the the best way that I was able to think about this is Nebraska and Maine do something similar. And so I actually got a lot of questions from people in this past election cycle because they saw Maine with the two colors on the electoral college map in Nebraska as well. And they were like, I've never noticed that what's up with that. Well, those two States allocate their um, electoral college votes based on uh, congressional district. So the two votes for the electoral college that are allocated from the Senate go towards the just overall popular vote in the state. And then each congressional district has their own vote, and it can go either way for the presidential election.
1: Yeah, and and so I think we all can kind of get frustrated in a presidential election when we're watching that night. We're seeing, you know, fifty one percent of our state voted for X candidate, and then forty nine percent for Y, and that's really close number. And then you get that 51% winner gets every single electoral vote available to the state. And it's kind of absurd if you really think about it and this would fix that problem.
0: Yeah. And I think that's led a lot of people What the scenario you described has led a lot of people to really question the electoral college. It's not the first time it's been questioned. It, you know, that goes back uh, I think 40 or 50 years, maybe even longer that people have been, you know, bringing it up from time to time. But the last, what, couple elections have had a pretty big disparity in the um, popular vote, but it hasn't necessarily meant that that person's got elected. So there's a, a lot of push to potentially ban the electoral college. There's a lot of mechanisms involved with that kind of thing. Um, and so this proportional allocation kind of works around that a little bit. You know, it makes the people that want to get rid of the electoral college happy without actually getting rid of the electoral college.
1: Absolutely. And, and that seems a little bit more doable than I think anything else that we've talked about today, especially then uh, completely eliminating the electoral college, whether I want that or not, that's a, a massive undertaking for sure. So the biggest drawback to proportional allocation would be that there is this huge debate with the electoral college. And I think that Sometimes compromise is great, and sometimes it leaves nobody happy. So there would be potential for a lot of pushback on both sides for this idea. I like to think that it's enough of a middle ground to make everyone a little bit happier. Um, but there is another issue. Do you want to talk about the other kind of problem here?
0: Yeah, yeah. so it worries me with ger- gerrymandering pretty, pretty substantially. Gerrymandering is a huge, huge issue in our current system, and... The thought that if you allocate electoral votes based on congressional district, that you could just change that congressional district a little bit, and so you didn't lose that one that Nebraska lost, or you didn't um, lose the, the one that Maine lost, depending on which party you're, you're voting for, then the, that incentive goes way up to gerrymander, and it's already pretty high. So th- that's a, a pretty deep concern. You know with that kind of allocation system Mm -hmm.
1: to me the answer to that would be um, unlikely to happen but awesome which would be where if it actually is statewide proportional allocation instead of divided out by districts
0: Mm. so you just do it from a a statewide level instead of district-wide level yeah and then yeah you get as close to the actual percentage of voters as as you could but still giving a voice to rural areas and not completely ignoring their vote. Right. So is there anything out there legislation-wise in the U.S.? I mean, how close are we to... Is there any support? Are we? Is this something that we're going to actually enact?
1: So when we're talking about proportional allocation, we're going to pivot just a little bit when we're talking about current, rep- or current uh, legislation because um, on the congressional level, there is... Uh, and so this is a little bit of a different idea. There's that proportional allocation is on the presidential level, but on the congressional level, there's the Fair Representation Act, which is actually um, a, a current bill in consideration. It was introduced by Don Bayer in 2019, and it is a uh, that choice voting or single transferable vote. And so it would, it would actually break it down into larger multi-member districts we kind of talked about earlier. So instead of having one representative, you would have anywhere from three to five. Now, for states that don't have that many districts, it would be kind of the whole state. But um, they would be elected by the choice voting. And the way that this particular piece of legislation has it broken down is that it would actually not change the number of overall representatives. So we would still have 435 representatives. It would just change the way they're distributed a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, and then this, you know, keeping the same amount of um, representatives makes it a little bit easier to enact, right? Because we're not talking about changes to the Constitution, uh, but I think there's some state laws that would um, require some changes, right? And that's state by state, of course. Yeah,
1: so so this would actually require national legislation to overturn those those state laws. Um, because uh, some states do have laws that mandate single member districts and so it would require overturning that
0: so we're probably a a little further away from enacting this kind of legislation than other types of voting systems out there that we've talked about Uh, but it brings a lot of potential benefits to voters and um, i I like this one because this is definitely not talked about very much at all in the u.s compared to some other uh, reforms that we could make so really good to, you know, keep talking about systems that are better than what we have now, which as we said, is just about every system. So (laughs) definitely,
1: yeah, this one, it's a a big idea. It's something that seems totally undoable to, I think, most people, but it, it is something that we would have to learn and we would have to adjust and adapt to, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing.
0: Let us know, is this something that makes sense? Um, do you understand it? If you didn't, again, go to the show notes, watch the little YouTube video that we put in there. I think it will help visualize it a little bit. Uh, but we want to hear your thoughts. Go to at beyondpartypod. We're on all the social medias. And drop us a note on how you feel about proportional representation. Um, and we will catch you next time. Beyond Party Lines.